sound off for Chesterfield. Low in nicotine. Highest in quality. Best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. For the past three weeks, a lone thief has been victimizing stores and check-cashing agencies. You've got a description of the man, but so far you've failed to identify him. Your job? Get him. Before you buy your next pack of cigarettes, think this over. A doctor has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers with special attention to the nose, throat, and sinuses. His latest report, after a full year and a half, says no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfield. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, regular or king size, they're low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Friday, June 10th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detective Stad Brown. My name's Friday. We'd gotten a call that there'd been a holdup, and it was 10.36 a.m. when we got to the corner of Alvarado and Catalina Streets, the Harrison Check Cashing Agency. I'm sorry. You'll have to come back. We've had some trouble, and we're not open for business. Come back in about an hour. Police officer, sir. Oh, well, where have you been? I was held up, you know, held right up. Yes, sir. Yeah, fellows in the police car was here. They told me that you'd come out. Well, where have you been? It's taken you long enough. Didn't you use the siren? Yes, sir. We came out just as soon as we got the call. Just seemed us taxpayers would get better service than that. Well, now, sir, the call just came in four minutes ago. Oh, well, all right then. Well, now, let me tell you all about it. Yes, sir, if you would, please. Oh, you just bet I would. Well, now, first off, I had trouble sleeping last night. I knew right off it was going to be a bad day. I can always tell, you know, when I've had a bad night, the next day's always a doozy. Did you give the officers in the radio car a description of the man? Who yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I sure did. I gave it to them right off. Now, are you going to let me tell you all about the holdup? Yes, sir. If you go ahead, please. Well, I had a bad night. Real bad. I knew... Oh, oh, say, say, my, my name's Harrison. Avril Harrison. I don't think I got you a fellow's name. Oh, this is my partner, Frank Smith. My name's Friday. Oh, How oh, do you do? Oh, right glad to know you, yeah. Darn fool next door kept pounding the typewriter all night. He never let up. Sir? The man next door. That's why I didn't get any sleep. Some crackpot trying to be a writer. Oh, it's an awful thing. All night long. Dit, 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 ding, dit, dit, ding. All night. Not a wink of sleep. Yes, sir. If you just tell us about the robbery, please. You ain't interested, huh? Well, no, sir, it isn't that. It's just that the more time we lose here, the harder it's going to be to apprehend the suspect. You can understand that. Oh, well, yeah. Now, maybe if you just answer some questions for us, it might be easier and possibly a little faster. Huh? Okay. Fire away. What time did the man come in? About 10-12. Was he alone? Yep. Did it look like there might have been anybody else with him? Nope. Do you know if he drove an automobile? Couldn't tell. I see. 
Well, would you tell us exactly what he said and what he did from the time that you first saw him? Came in, 10-12, had a gun, walked over to me, pointed the gun, told me to stick up. <laughs> that the way you fellows want it? Well, you just relax, Harrison, will you, and tell the story in your own words. I'm trying to do just that. Yes, sir. Maybe if I went slower, it'll be easier for you boys. All right, sir, you go right ahead. Well, he came in, stood around for a minute, then come over to the counter. I asked him if I could help him. Uh-huh. We cashed checks, you know, payroll checks. First off, I thought that's what he wanted, to cash a check. Wasn't, though. I asked him what he wanted, and he pulled out the gun, told me to keep quiet and hand him the money. Pointed the gun right at my heart, right here. My heart. Are you with me so far, boys? Yes, sir, go ahead. So I gave him the money, all there was in the drawer. I see, sir. About how much was taken, Mr. Harrison? About $1,500. He just took the paper money. He didn't want the silver. Had two paper bags. Looked like he'd carried his lunch in them. All kind of wrinkles, you know. Yes, sir. Had me put the money in them. Then he told me to lay down on the floor. Lay there and count to a hundred. My ones. Told me not to move until I'd finished. He said if I did, he'd come back and kill me. The way he told me, you knew he meant it. After that, he left. All right, sir. What if you can give us a description of the man? Sure, but already gave one to the other cops. Ain't that enough? Well, we'd like to have you tell us, if you would, Mr. Harrison. Oh, them other fellows don't work with you, huh? Well, yes, sir, they do. But we'd just like you to describe the man to us. Well, what's the matter? Won't they tell you? Well, yes, Mr. Harrison. They'll tell us, but the questions they ask you are forgetting how to broadcast. We have to fill out a report and try to get the man who did this. Oh. <laughs> Seems like a pretty funny way to operate. Don't tell the other cops what's going on. How tall was the man, Harrison? Well, let's see. I'd say about, ooh, five feet. Maybe eight to ten inches. Mm-hmm. How much did he weigh, would you know? I'm just guessing, you nosy. I'm not sure. Yes, sir, we understand. Well, I'd say he weighed maybe, oh, 150, right around in there. How old was he, would you know? Maybe 25, 26. How about his coloring? Was he dark or light-complected? No, dark. He had black hair, brown eyes, mean-looking eyes, like steel balls. Kind you pick up a vacuum cleaner. Steel, hard. Yes, sir. How was he dressed? Had a pair of Levi's on, Levi's in a blue shirt. He had a brown leather jacket on, too, one with a fur collar. Was he clean-shaven? Oh, yes. His face looked like he just had a shave. And a talcum powder on it. Mm -hmm. Do you wear glasses, sir? Yeah. What kind were they? I couldn't tell you, just glasses. Well, do they have metal or plastic frames? Oh, plastic, yes. Mm -hmm. Light, you know, kind of tan plastic. Heavy, you know, the kind that don't have the little curly things around the ears. Just big pieces that went over the top. Mm -hmm. Did the man touch anything with his hands? No, no, he didn't. The other officers asked me that, too. He didn't touch a thing. Was anybody else present at the time? No, no one else. I was the only one here. Well, did the man have any marks or scars that you noticed? No, leastways not that I saw. Was there anything unusual about him? Anything that might help us identify him? Well, that mustache should help. Sir? His mustache. I think it's funnier than the $3 bill. Looked like it to me. Well, I thought you said the man was clean-shaven. I did. All around the mustache. I didn't think he meant like that. He's probably clean-shaven under that, too. Sure looked phony to me. Why do you say that? It was red. He was dark. Had black hair, black eyebrows. Well, it seemed like he'd come up with a red mustache. <laughs> seemed like it to you? It's hard to say, sir. Don't seem like it to me. Not at all. I'll tell you something else. What's that, sir? I think them glasses was fake, too. Glassing them was funny, you know, like it hadn't been ground, kind of flat. I think they was phony, just like the duster. Duster? Mustache. Red mustache with black hair. Phony. All right, sir. Thank you very much. And we'd like you to come down to the office and look at some other pictures, if you would, see if you can identify the man. Be glad to. 
I'll not do it today, though. Why is that, sir? Well, I already told you, you had a picture of him down there. I'd probably miss him. This has been a real bad day for me. Ah, well, tomorrow will be better, though. Why is that, sir? Gonna get some sleep tonight. That's so? Bribed the landlady. Yeah? She left me in his room. I took it. What's that, sir? Ain't gonna do much typing without his ribbon, is he? For the past three weeks, we'd heard the same story. A man had entered a check-cashing agency or a small neighborhood store and at gunpoint taken all the currency. Each time, he'd hit just after the owner or the manager had come back from the bank. The descriptions we'd gotten in each theft was the same. Each of the victims looked over the mug books, but they were unable to identify the suspect. The stats office had made an M.O. run going back ten years. The leads they turned up were run down, but they led us nowhere. Communications to George Brereton up at CII in Sacramento had turned up no new information. We were right where we were after the first robbery. We had a suspect we couldn't identify, a suspect that we couldn't find. 10.45 a.m., the latest victim closed up his place of business and started to accompany us downtown. As we walked out of the store, a police car pulled up to the curb. In the back seat was a man of about 25 years of age. The officer told us that they'd caught the man running down an alley three blocks away. The man who matched the description of the thief identified himself as Rudy Martin. While the radio car officer stood by, we took the suspect over to our car to see Averill Harrison, the victim. Caught him already, huh? Is this the man who held you up, sir? Uh, let me get out and take a good look. All right. Mm-hmm. 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 Tell him to turn sideways, north and south. All right, sir. No, no, I'll turn sideways. That's him. Are you sure? That's the man, even without his mustache and glasses, I can tell. He's lying. He don't know what he's saying. Don't you talk that way to me, young fella. And where's my money, huh? What'd you do with my money? I haven't got it. I never took any money from you or anybody else. You're crazy. I'll teach you to talk All to right, me like Harrison. that. All right, Never mind. Now, if we need anything more, we'll be back to talk to you. You mean you ain't going to take me downtown now that you caught the fella? No, sir. We'll get in touch with you later. You make him tell you where he hid the money. $1,500, all in paper. You make him tell you. All right, sir. We'll do that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I'll be right here. Anything you want me to do, just give a holler. I want to see this fella get what's coming to him. Yes, sir. Here's our card, and you call us if you need to. Yeah, you do that. Make him tell you what he done with the money. Oh, you want to get back, Martin? I'll check with the radio car, Joe. You want him to follow us to the office? Yeah, tell him we'll take Martin here to the robbery division. We'll check him later. Right. All right, Martin, put your hands up as high as you can. With handcuffs on? With them on. You ain't going to find anything. All right, get him up. See, I told you. This is a bad thing that man did. I haven't done anything to him. I didn't take his money. Sit back, Martin. Back in the seat. You ever seen that man before? No. No, I haven't. Is he mad at you for any reason? I told you, I never saw him before. Well, he says he knows you. He says you held him up a little while ago. He's crazy. Why'd he say something like that without a reason? I don't know. Your wallet back here? Yeah. All right, slide up a little. Any money in it? No, all I got some change. Maybe 40, 50 cents. Just a few cards there and a couple of phone numbers. That's all. There's no money. Mm -hmm. Who's this? This is Johnny Salvatore. He's a friend of mine. And Chris Turan. Another friend. They haven't done nothing. They're both nice guys. And look, you got no right to do this. You got no right to arrest me. We just want to talk to you. If you haven't done anything wrong, then you haven't got anything to worry about, have you? That sounds good, but what am I doing sitting here in this car with you? All right, now tell us the real story, huh? Nothing to tell. I was over by Central Avenue when these two cops came by and picked me up. I wasn't doing anything. Officers say you were running down an alley. They say that you wouldn't stop when they told you to. Now, how about all that? I was scared. You can see how that had happened, can't you? What'd you do with the gun? Wasn't any gun. The victim says it was. I don't know what you're talking about. You registered for the draft, Martin? 
Yeah. Well, where's your draft card? Isn't it in the wallet? No, it isn't. Guess I must have lost it. You ever been arrested? Did you hear me, Martin? Hmm? How about it? Yeah, a couple of times. What for? Back. Where? Here, back east. Where back east? KC. You sure that's all? Yeah. What were you doing in that alley this morning? I was on my way to see a guy. Who? A friend of mine. Okay, Joe. Yeah? I'll call in. We can get started. Right. 1K80 to control 1. 1K80 to control 1. Control 1 to 1K80. Go ahead. Prisoner in custody. Show us out to room 27A, City Hall. KMA 367. Roger, 1K80. KMA 367. You all set? Yeah, let's go. Now, who's this friend you're going to see, Martin? You have to know that? We have to know. Chris Tarrant. What are we going to see him about? Job. He said he could line one up for him. Where do you live? Rooming house down on wall. All right, you want to tell us what you do with that money? What money? I don't know how to tell you any better. I didn't have anything to do with that guy. I don't know nothing about any robbery. I was on my way to see a friend about a job. A couple of cops picked me up. That's all there is to it. Nothing more. If you think you can make this thing stick, then you go right ahead. I don't think you can. Well, we got a lot of time, Martin. So have I. I got nothing to do. Night's sleep and a couple of meals. That's what I stand to come up with. I got no problems. Go ahead. Lock me up. You're going to have to let me go. I don't care what the old guy says. I didn't hold him up. Not him nor anybody else can say I did. The clothes you got on match the ones the hold-up man wore. So what? A lot of people wear these kind of clothes. The victim identified you. The guy made a mistake. I told you that. All right, Martin, you called it. I hope you know what you're talking about. Hmm? The victim of the robbery identified you, and there's five more we think we can tie you into. We make you on the rest of them. You've got real trouble here. Now, you'll save us and yourself a lot of time if you'll tell us the truth. You wouldn't know it if you saw it. Well, there's one way to find out, isn't there? Yeah? Try us. a.m. We took the suspect back to the city hall and we talked to him for over three hours. He refused to admit any knowledge of the holdups. We checked him through R&I and we came up with the arrest record that he told us about. In checking his record, we found that the suspect was wanted for draft evasion. In the meantime, the other victims of the holdup man had been brought down to the office. The suspect was placed in a show-up with several other persons. They all failed to identify Martin as the thief. In checking further with the last victim, Harrison, he stated that he'd probably made a wrong identification. We had a search of Martin's room made, but we were unable to come up with anything. The two friends he'd mentioned were checked out, but there was no record on either one of them. The suspect was turned over to the federal authorities for prosecution on the draft evasion charge. We were right back where we started three weeks before. The next morning, Saturday, June 11th, we started all over again. This time, we went back into the files 15 years. Anybody who even vaguely matched the description was checked out. The M.O. of the thief was rechecked. The machines came up with an additional 17 possibles. Each of these were checked out. It took us two weeks, and at the end of that time, we were back where we started again. We had nothing but a description that apparently didn't match anybody in our files and an M.O. that didn't fit any known criminal. During the time that we'd been checking out leads, the bandit was inactive. Additional cars from Metro Division had been assigned to the detail, and rolling stakeouts were maintained around check-cashing agencies throughout the city. The hold-up man had apparently dropped from sight. Saturday, June 25th, I checked into the office. Robbery, Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Ben. Huh? Oh, just a minute. Little John. You see him, Joe? No, I don't think he's here. Little John? No, he's not here. No, Ben, he isn't here. All right, wait a minute. I'll check the book. Yeah, here. No, I left about an hour ago. Yeah, I'll be back. Want to call you? Okay, wait a minute. Here's a pencil. Uh-huh. 
0281? Right, yeah. Okay, Ben. I got something here. Teletype from San Diego from Hewan and Davis. Yeah, what is it? I'll read it to you. R.E., your APB, dated June 10th, R.E., robbery. Robbery occurred this city last night. M.O. and description matches your suspect. We have identification as Jerry Lane. San Diego number 146382. Are sending mug shots? Huh, looks like a break. Well, it might have been. You didn't let me finish. Yeah. You got away. p.m. A special delivery letter arrived from San Diego with the mugshots of Jerry Lane. There was also a note from Sergeant Carl Davis. He explained that the suspect had held up a small liquor store in the city and had badly beaten the owner. A witness was shown the mug books and was able to pick out the bandit. He was identified as a Jerry Lane. He had only one arrest record, and that was for a misdemeanor offense in San Diego County. We checked the name through our identification bureau, but there was no record on him in our files. The mugshots from San Diego had been taken over four years previously, but the victims of the robberies in Los Angeles had no trouble identifying it, even without the glasses and the mustache. Additional broadcasts were gotten out carrying the name, and radiograms were sent to Washington and to Sacramento requesting any available information. Another week passed while the search went on. During that time, the holdup man hit once more, this time in National City, just south of San Diego. From the reports we got, the M.O. matched the one previously used. The suspect made good his escape. Tuesday morning, 11.30 a.m., Frank and I had been out running down a lead. We just got back to the office. Well, there's another one that didn't go anyplace. Yeah? You know, Joe, if somebody could figure out a way to filter out the bad leads, it'd sure save a lot of legwork, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess I get it. Robbery, Friday. Yeah, all right. It's Hewan. Yeah? Hi, Pappy. Yeah. When was that? Yeah, anything on him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're probably right. Well, I guess the only thing we can do is put out another broadcast. Yeah. No, nothing up here. What'd you say? Right, yeah. Well, if anything else turns up, let us know, will you? Right. Oh, wait a minute, say hello to Carl. All right, Pappy. Yeah, we'll be talking to you. Right, thanks, bye. What's he got? Well, it's our suspect, Jerry Lane. Yeah? He's gonna have to stand for more than a 211 charge now. What do you mean? Latest victim just died. listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. It's so satisfying to know that my Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality. A fact proved by chemical analyses of the country's six leading cigarette brands. And it's so satisfying to know that a doctor who has been making thorough examinations, especially of the nose, throat, and sinuses, reports no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfields. His report is a part of a program supervised by a responsible research laboratory and is based on thorough bi-monthly examinations of a group of Chesterfield smokers over a period of a year and a half. That's 18 full months now. Don't you want to smoke a cigarette with a record like this? Regular or king size? Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Best for me... Best for you. From the information we got on the phone, it looked like Jerry Lane would be headed for Los Angeles. One of the witnesses to the latest robbery said that the suspect drove away in either a 1942 Plymouth or a Dodge Coupe. The color of the car was listed as either a dark blue or black. 
Descriptions of the car and of the suspect were printed up and distributed to all law enforcement agencies between Los Angeles and the Mexican border. Al Gayton from the San Diego Department got in touch with the Mexican authorities and a close check was kept on all cars crossing into Mexico. According to our information, Jerry Lane had robbed at least eight places and stolen a little under $9,000 in a period of six weeks. While we continued our investigation, the San Diego authorities followed up the leads they had. In the course of checking out the friends and associates listed on Lane's arrest record, they came up with the information that he had at one time been employed as a musician in a downtown nightclub. They interviewed the employees of the place, but they were not able to get a definite lead on the suspect. With the mugshot that they'd sent us, and knowing that he was a professional musician, we checked with the local office of the musicians' union. They told us that he was not in good standing. They were unable to give us the address of the suspect, but they did give us the name and address of a bar where he'd worked several years before. At 8.30 p.m. that night, Frank and I talked to one of the waitresses in the place. No, they cut out the band a year or so ago. Not enough business to keep it going. Uh-huh. Did you work here when they did have a band? Sure. I've been here since they remodeled the place. Been four years, anyway. Hey, you fellas like a drink? Be on the house. No, thank you. No, ma'am. You know a man named Jerry Lane? What does he do? Well, he's a musician. We understand he plays clarinet. Lane... Yeah, it seems to me I do remember him. Not too tall, kind of nice looking if you went for the tight. Yeah, I remember him. You know where we can get in touch with him? No, I haven't got the slightest idea. Got to be a pretty big lush. Had to let him go. Union told him, lay off the booze, but he didn't pay no attention. Always showing up late. A real lush. Possible the owner might know where he is? Uh, it isn't likely. I'm married to the owner. I know most of the stuff that goes on around here. I see. Can you give us any idea where we might be able to get a lead on him? Some of his friends? Maybe another musician? No. Hey, wait a minute. Ma'am? I might know someone. Let me make a phone call. Well, if you give us the phone number, we can put in the call. I'd rather not do that. You see, this girl used to see a lot of Jerry. Maybe she don't want to get mixed up in a thing like this. I'll call her and find out. If she knows, she'll tell me. If she doesn't, there's no harm done. Okay. Got a dime? Just a minute. There's two nickels. Mm, thanks. I'd rather you leave the door open, if you will. All right. Betty Hodgen, please. Yeah. All right. They're calling her. Good. Nice girl. Never figured out what she saw in Jerry. Mm-hmm. Hello, Betty? Betty, this is Naomi. Uh-huh. Just fine. You? Oh, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Say, Betty, I hate to bother you, but do you know where I can get in touch with Jerry Lane? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, wait a minute. Have you got a pencil? Yeah. Here you go. Now, now, what's the address, Betty? Uh-huh. Yeah, I got it. No, no, it's nothing serious, no. <laughs> no, business isn't that good. Yeah, we still got the piano. Sure, gonna keep it. All right. Well, thanks, Betty. You guys are in luck. Yes, ma'am. Here's the address. It's a club down on 6th. Mm-hmm. Betty says he's there almost every night. 9.42 p.m. We called the office and had another team of men sent out. We notified homicide detail that we'd picked up another lead and they sent out a team of men to give us any help that we might need in apprehending the suspect. The address we'd been given was the Georgetown Club, a small place on West 6th Street. When we got there, the place was crowded and the band was in the middle of the second set. We checked with one of the bartenders. Sure. That's Jerry playing clarinet. See? Gray suit. Yeah, does he work here? No, he shows up almost every night, sits in with the band. Union doesn't like it. They talk to the boss about it. He's 
trying to get the bomb out of here. Cause a lot of trouble. That right? Sure. Always he comes in drunk or else he acts like he's high on toll. You want me to get in for you? Yeah, tell him there are a couple of friends who'd like to talk to him, will you? I do it right now. Uh, you don't want me to say you're cops? No, we don't. I didn't think so. Okay, I get it. Thank you. Some place they got here, huh? Yeah, sure is crowded, isn't it? All right. Better watch him, he's probably armed. Yeah, let's get him outside. It'd be easier to take there. Too many people here. Yeah, the bartender's got him now. Now let's let him get outside before we move away. Right. Yeah, there he goes. Come on. Yeah. Said a couple of friends, where are they? They said they would be here. Now wait a minute. Here they are. Oh. I know you. Where did I know you fellas from? You Jerry Lane? Yeah. What do you want to see me about? I gotta get back in there. If you fellas don't need me no more, I'll get back to work, huh? No. Yeah, thanks a lot. Go ahead. No problem. All right, now what's this all about? I don't know you guys. Police officers, you're under arrest. What for? Frank? Yeah. Stand still. What are you trying to do? You got nothing on me. Stand still. You stay away from me, cop. Now leave me alone. All right, hold it up, mister. All right, now come on, on your feet. Get up. Now stand still. Knees clean, Joe. Now put your hands behind you. I didn't do anything. You got no reason to shove me around. Cut my mouth. It's bleeding. Yeah, well, that makes two of us, mister. What are you after me for? What have I done? I have too much to drink. Is that it? I wouldn't bother anybody in there. That's a nice try, Lane, but it won't work. We got a half a dozen positive identifications on you for robbery. I didn't hurt anybody. You killed a man. Uh, yeah. The last one, I, I heard he died. Is it true? Did he die? That's right. I didn't know what I was doing, you know. I, I wasn't responsible. I just didn't feel so good. It wasn't my fault. He wouldn't give me the money. I didn't know what I was doing. That's going to make a difference, isn't it? I didn't know what I was doing. I wouldn't know about that, Lane. That's going to be up to the jury, but you can bet on one thing. It's sad. They'll know what they're doing. The story you have just heard is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. On December 17th, trial was held in Department 92, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, the big Labor Day weekend is coming up, so make sure you have plenty of Chesterfields. Get a couple of cartons when you do your weekend shopping. Now, I can tell you why you should be smoking Chesterfields in just ten words. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. <laughs> Gerald Carlisle Lane was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree and was executed in the lethal gas chamber at the state penitentiary, San Quentin, California. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. 
Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brazier. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Rodman, Lillian Bayef, Harry Bartell. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a burglary detail. In the past five weeks, 17 homes in your city have been stripped of all valuables. There's no lead to the thief. No description. Your job, get him. Before you buy your next pack of cigarettes, think this over. A doctor has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers with special attention to the nose, throat, and sinuses. His latest report... After a full year and a half, says no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfield. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, regular or king size, they're low in nicotine, highest in quality, best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, June 3rd. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of burglary detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Wisdom. My name's Friday. We'd just been relieved from stakeout, and we were on our way to get something to eat. It was 12.27 a.m. when we got to the corner of Fedora and Ardmore Streets, the Cakes and Griddle Cafe. 
Here's a couple back here, Joe. Yeah, that's fine. What'll it be, fellas? You got a menu? Up there on the board. Huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. How's the hash? Oh, pretty good. We're out of it. I didn't think a restaurant was ever out of hash. We are. Uh-huh. You want to give me a stack of wheat cakes, some bacon, and a cup of coffee, please? Hey, that sounds good. I'll have the same. But make mine uh, plain hotcakes and sausage on the side, will you? Yeah. Oh, you want the coffee now? Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fine. Coming up. Say, uh, put an egg on my hotcakes, huh? Yeah. Over light? Over light. Yeah. Well, I'm hungry, Joe. Well, I figured that. Is that the morning paper you got there? Yeah, this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Hand it over, will you? There you are. Thanks. What's on the front page? I'm looking at the sports, Joe. A lot of news there. Do you hey. want to know what's going on in the world? Joe, I like the sports. I get the news all the time. Look at my boys, the Hollywood Stars won again. Put some nine up. Looks like they might win the pennant. Hmm. This Dale Long sure knocking them in. Who? Dale Long. Oh. Joe, you're not much of a baseball fan, are you? Yeah, I like to watch the series on TV. It's going to be pretty good. Looks like the Yanks and the Dodgers. Here's your coffee. Oh, thank you. Now, the rest of it will be right here. Good. You fellas new in the neighborhood, aren't you? What's that? You're new around here, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Stephen's got three hits. Most of our trade is neighborhood people. Come in for coffee and cakes on the way home from the show. I could tell you fellas are new here. Haven't seen you before. Yeah. I'll get the rest of the order. Fine. We got one RBI. What? Stevens got one RBI. You got a what? RBI, Joe. Run, batted. Oh, in. yeah. RBI. I know what you mean. Yeah. I didn't understand what you said. Well, you got to know all that stuff to really watch a game. Yeah, I know that. Here you go, fellas. Wheat cakes and bacon, hot cakes and sausage. Wait a minute. Where's the egg? Inside. Where? Yeah. Inside. Oh, look, Joe, underneath there, see? Yeah. <laughs> Egg underneath. Here's the syrup. Thank you. I sure had some excitement around here. All right. Yeah. Don't you guys read the papers? He does. Yeah. Sports page. No, no, I mean the front page. What's been going on? He won't tell me. All the burglaries. Been 17 of them in the last five weeks. It's running the cops silly. Is that so? Sure. They don't know where they're going, running them silly. <laughs> Say, you like a little more coffee? Yeah, I wouldn't mind, please. Very good coffee, too. You make it yourself here? Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, put a head on this, too, will you? Fine. There have been at least five detectives in here in the last couple of weeks asking questions. Trying to come up with a lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure running them ragged. You guys haven't read about it, huh? Yeah, I think I've seen something about it somewhere. It's pretty funny. Just get this picture. Now get it. A guy, uh, they, they figure it's one felon. He walks up to the back of a house. First off, he's sure there's nobody home. Then he walks up to one of the windows and punches a hole in the screen. Jimmy's the window, walks right in and lifts the jewelry in the house and takes off. Just as cool as can be. They figure he's hitting the places between 6 and 9. You get that? Between 6 and 9 p.m. They must have half the cops on the force looking for the guy. <laughs> They're running rings around him. <laughs> How's the cakes? Fine. Good. We got kind of secret recipe here. Wife made it up. 
Anyway, I was talking to one of the people who had it. You know, you know, one of the victims, guy over on Hobart. He said the cops came in and went all over his house, took fingerprints, pictures, all that. Worked on his house for about five hours. Went all over the backyard looking for footprints. And you know what they came up with? No. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. All that time, all those men, and they didn't come up with nothing. <laughs> he sure got the cops running in circles. <laughs> you got a check? Hmm? Check. Oh, yeah, yeah, here you go. Stack of wheats, bacon, hot sausage and egg, two coffees. I, I won't charge you for the refills. That's very nice of you, thank you. Oh, that's all right. Let's see, comes to $1.25, taxes $1.29. Okay. You got any pennies, Frank? Yeah, I got two. Here, take a nickel, break it apart. Right? I'll get my wallet, Joe. Maybe I got a couple in there. Hey. Yeah. Hey, how come you guys are carrying guns? You ain't gonna hold up the place, are you? There isn't any money here. We're police officers. Detectives? Yeah. Oh. Say, uh, I hope you guys ain't sore about what I said. About you running in circles. No, forget it. That's all right. Well, now, come on. Let this one be on the house. Take your money back. Sort of a, a way to say I'm sorry. No, that's all right. Forget it. I'd like to pop for the cakes. No, thanks. Thanks just the same. Well, hope you come back again. Sure. Uh, say, just a minute. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. About this fellow who's been pulling the jobs. Yeah. When do you figure you're going to get him? When he runs out of circles. The papers had carried the story since the fifth burglary. As the thefts continued, the stories grew in importance. The thief had been operating in the same general area. On each report, the crime lab had been sent out, Pictures were taken, fingerprints were lifted. When the sum total of evidence was weighed and sifted, we were able to establish the fact that we were looking for the same man or men. He was in possession of a one-quarter-inch punch, which he used on the screens, and a half-inch jimmy, which he used to pry open the windows. From traces of fabric that he left on the fourth job, we knew that he wore cotton gloves. We had no physical description of him to work with, nothing but the M.O. that he used. The stats office had made run after run looking for a lead. The possibles that they'd turned up were checked out, but they netted us nothing. Communications had been gotten off to the rest of the nation asking for information on known criminals who used the same M.O., but the replies were of no help. All recently released convicts from the state penitentiaries and work farms were checked. We found nothing. The pawn shops in the Southland were alerted to be on the lookout for the stolen goods. Again, nothing. Informants and other sources of information were questioned and re-questioned, and at the end of five weeks, we were right back where we started. The newspapers took up the stories in full force. They ran cartoons of the thief, picturing him as an invisible phantom who could almost announce the time of the next housebreaking to the police and then proceed according to plan without interference. Every known method of apprehending the burglar was tried. None of them worked. Captain Wisdom assigned four other teams of men to the case. Metro Division sent out another two cars to aid in the rowing stakeout. Apparently, we were stopped cold. Two more days passed, and on Friday, June 5th, we got a report of another burglary. 9.36 a.m. Frank and I left the office to check it out. Yes, something you want? We'd like to see Miss Santos if we could. Who are you? Police officers, ma'am. Is Miss Santos in? Oh, well, I'm her. Come on in. Thank you. Come on, come on, hurry up. I don't want to let the flies into the house. Yes, ma'am. Whew, never saw so many flies around as this summer. Sit down. Thank you. Can I get you anything? Cup of coffee? No, no, no thank you, thank you. You don't mind if I have some? No, you go right ahead. Just having another cup before I get started on the house. Sort of the lull before the storm. Ma'am? Kids are downstairs playing. They'll be up in a minute. 
They get to running around, it's impossible to get anything done. Yes, ma'am. All I can do is get a second cup of coffee in the morning. Excuse me, Minda, I'll be right back. Sure. Just make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Now then, this is about the burger last night, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. We'd like to go over the list of stolen articles with you. Uh-huh, that's it. Everything they took. I'd like to check it if we can. Wasn't anything else in the house for him to take? Well, let's see here. According to what we have on the report, you listed $47 in cash, haven't Yeah, right? yeah, that's from the jar. Ma'am. Well, we got a little candy jar upstairs. Keep loose change in it. Whenever I have anything left over from my household money, I put in there. Anthony, he's my husband. Yes, ma'am. Well, whenever Anthony's got any loose change in his pocket, he drops it in there. Adds up in time. $47. Yes, ma'am. You're pretty sure about the amount now. Yeah, you see, we keep a little piece of paper in the jar. Got the amount written on it so as we can tell how much we've added to it. Mm-hmm. Whoever stole the money didn't take the paper, just the money. Had exactly $47. Yes, ma'am. Now, you list a ruby and diamond woman's wristwatch, is that right? Gonna use it for a trip to Las Vegas. Big part? We were gonna use the money in the jar for a trip to Las Vegas. Only needed $150 more. Now we gotta start all over again. Yes, ma'am. Now, about the watch? Oh, yeah. Well, they stole that, too. Had two rubies on one side, three diamonds on the other, little gold band. Took that, too. Anniversary present from Anthony. He's my husband. Uh-huh. Gave it to me on our fifth anniversary, February 2nd. Well, you list a diamond ring. wonder if you can give us a little better description of the ring. My engagement ring. Solitaire. Not very big. Had on my dressing table on one of those little ring gadgets. You know, the little block of wood on the little stick? Yes, ma'am. You put your rings on it when you're doing the dishes? Not very big. Yes, ma'am. Now, was there anything else of value taken? No. A couple of cheap little costume pieces, bracelet, couple of pins, nothing really worth anything. I'd like to have descriptions of the pieces if we could. I can give them to you. All right, fine. You really think you're going to be able to catch the fellow that took the things? Well, we don't know. We're sure going to try. Have there been any strangers that you've noticed in the neighborhood lately? No, none that I can think of right off. Any strange cars, ma'am? You married, officer? Yes, ma'am. Got any kids? Yes, ma'am, too. Mm -hmm. Will you just ask your wife how much time she's got to take notice of cars driving up and down the street? Noticing whether people are loitering in front of the house or not. You just ask her. She'll tell you. You men all the time talking about the modern conveniences. Help out the housework. Just zip and the house is clean with the vacuum. Swish the dishes around. They're all clean with the new soaps. Yes, ma'am. Well, maybe it's better than our mothers had it, but they still haven't come up with nothing short of a straitjacket that'll keep you from having to run after the kids all day. Yes, You ask your wife. She'll tell you. Yes, ma'am. You ask yours, too. You'll see. I'm not married, Miss Sandals. Hmm. Well, then you wouldn't know. Well, you can talk to his wife. Those fellas last night, they gained clues? We haven't checked on them yet, ma'am. Seems like they should be able to tell something about who did it. All that powder they was putting around, the pictures they was taking, all the excitement. Took me two hours after they left before I could get the kids to sleep. All that trouble, they should have something that's going to get the things back. Sure know one thing. What's that, ma'am? Man that stole the watch. Wish they'd taken the book. Beg your pardon? The record book. It was right in the drawer of the dressing table. Where those people at the store are, if you don't find them, they will. I don't believe I understand, Miss Ellis. The people where we bought the wristwatch. They'll find him, sure. They won't let him get away with it. Ma'am? The watch, it isn't paid for. 10.42 a.m. We started to canvas the neighborhood. For the next hour, we talked to the people in the houses on both sides of the street. None of them could add anything to the story given us by the latest victim. 12 noon, Frank and I called the office and told them we'd be out for 7. As we were leaving our car, a tall, elderly man approached us. He identified himself as Ross Dunham. He explained that he lived in the corner house on the same street as Mrs. Santos. Yeah, my wife told me you were by the house this morning. Yes, sir, we were. Got something that maybe you can use. What's that, Mr. Dunham? Well, I noticed it right off. Didn't want to say anything about it to the missus. You know, women get upset. Thought it'd be better not to mention it. Yes, sir, what is it? Night before last, Thursday, I saw the car. What car was that, sir? The one I want to tell you about. I was going downtown to tell you officers about it. 
Felt kind of like it was my duty, you know, public spirit. Yes, sir. How about the car? Well, it was kind of warm night. Mr. and I were sitting out on the porch and glider, just taking the night air. Then, then I saw the car go by. Didn't think much about it at first. I see. Must have been about 6.30, right after supper. We just sitting there, taking the air, having a glass of iced tea. Then I saw the car go by again, slow-like, like he's looking the houses over. Could you describe the car for us, sir? Yeah, got written right down here someplace. <clears throat> car went by the house two more times that night. Four times, all told. Four. Uh-huh. And I think I got it in my wallet. <laughs> Might have left it in my other pants. I thought you... Oh, no, no, here it is. There it is. Even got the license number. Yes, yeah, sir. It going to help? Well, we don't know, sir. We'll check it out. Can I have that paper, please? I'll call it in, Joe. Have him check DMV. Right. Sure hope it gives you guys some help. The way the burglars been running around here, terrible. man isn't safe to leave his house. I've been thinking about having those little bell alarms put on the window. Did the officers talk to you last night, sir? You mean when they came out to see Mr. Santos? Yes, sir. Uh, no, they didn't. I saw the police car. I thought about going down to talk to them. But the missus would have wanted to know what was going on. Told her about the car and it had upset her. She's kind of nervous. Breaks out in a rash whenever anything happens like this. I see. Got just about every kind of ointment in the world. Doctor says it's in her mind. Says it's all in her imagination. You believe that? Well, I wouldn't know, sir. I don't put much stock in it. I used to get rashes when I'd eat fresh peaches. Don't anymore, though. See you in a minute, Joe. Yeah, would you excuse me, Mr. Dunham? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Did you get anything? Yeah. Didn't have any trouble making the car. Got a good suspect. Yeah, who? Guy named Oaks. Oaks? Yeah. Works on a burglary. It's a police car. We thanked Mr. Dunham for his cooperation in the attempt to help us. As a public-minded citizen, he'd done what he thought was right. During the time we'd been working on the case, we'd turned up dozens of well-meaning citizens who wanted to cooperate. Each of the tips, no matter how remote, we checked out. This meant using additional man-hours and pulling officers off other assignments to investigate the possible leads. But in every event, we appreciated the tips. Three more days passed. The thief hit once more. In spite of the close surveillance we were keeping on the area, he somehow managed to get into the vicinity, commit the crime, and leave without being observed. The pressure from local citizens' clubs and insurance companies got a little heavier. On Tuesday morning, June 10th, a meeting was held in Chief of Detective Thad Brown's office. The detail and results of our investigation were gone over again. Additional bulletins were gotten out requesting information on the M.O. The area of the rolling stakeout was increased to 96 square blocks. That's two square miles. A new plan for surveillance was worked out. Under the new conditions, we were able to keep the entire neighborhood under almost constant watch. Additional teams of men were assigned from Metro Division. To date, the thief had stolen jewelry, money, and other personal property amounting to a little over $8,000. The check on the pawn shops was tightened, but none of the merchandise turned up in the normal outlets. Every night between the hours of 5.30 and midnight, the dragnet of the area was put into effect. During the next week, the theft stopped completely. Apparently, we'd stopped the burglar, but we still hadn't caught him. Wednesday, June 17th, I checked in for work. Joe? Yeah? I think we got something. What's that? I was just down the hall with Bates. Yeah. I checked out the FI cards that have been filed in the area we're working. Came up with one possible. Yeah, what do you got on it? guy named Boyd Hall. He was stopped four times in the last week in different locations in the same general area. Told the officers he was on his way home. How do you spell that name? B-O-Y-D, Boyd Hall. Mm-hmm. You got his address? Yeah, better check it out. I ran the name through r and came up with eight. Three of them back in the joint, one dead, other four have to be checked out. Descriptions don't fit too well. Let me see there. Yeah, here you are. You better get right out there, huh? Now, let's go. Mm-hmm. Might be something, huh? I don't know. We're due for a break. 
Fifteen minutes later, we turned off Vermont Avenue onto Venice Boulevard. Four blocks to the left, and we turned onto Dewey Street. Another block and a half, and we pulled up in front of the address. Well, this is 1800. Ought to be right. Here. Mm-hmm. Well, we're still batting a thousand. 1804 Dewey. Yeah. Vacant lot. listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. It's so satisfying to know that my Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Chesterfield, low in nicotine, highest in quality. A fact proved by chemical analyses of the country's six leading cigarette brands. And it's so satisfying to know that a doctor who has been making thorough examinations, especially of the nose, throat, and sinuses, Reports, no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfields. His report is a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory and is based on thorough bi-monthly examinations of a group of Chesterfield smokers over a period of a year and a half. That's 18 full months now. Don't you want to smoke a cigarette with a record like this? Regular or king size? Chesterfield is low in nicotine, highest in quality. Best for me, best for you. Wednesday, June 17th, 8.48 a.m. We canvassed the neighborhood around the vacant lot. None of the people had ever heard of Boyd Hall. We asked about anyone answering the description listed on the F.I. cards. The neighbors couldn't help us there either. 11.17 a.m. We returned to the office and we started to check out the remaining four possibles. All of them were able to establish alibis for the time of the burglaries, and they were eliminated as suspects. We got in touch with the officers who'd filed the F.I. cards. They remembered the man. Each of the teams of men who'd stopped him had asked for identification. He'd produced a driver's license, personal cards, and several letters to himself bearing the Dewey Street address. He told the officers that he'd lived in the neighborhood and that he was returning to his home from a grocery store. The officers had checked the bag of groceries he was carrying and found nothing suspicious and let him proceed on his way. We got in touch with Sergeant Zook at the warrant office and asked him to check and see if there were any outstanding traffic warrants on Boyd Hall. He called back to tell us there were none. APBs and local broadcasts were sent out asking for information on anyone answering the description using the name Boyd Hall. We got in touch with the Department of Motor Vehicles and asked them to give us all the information they could on the suspect carrying California operator's license number Z941511, issued 12552. They checked their files and told us that there was no record of a Boyd Hall being issued that particular license number. They also stated that no number had been given out on the Z series. This left little doubt that the license was a forgery and the name was an alias. In the meantime, the rolling stakeout continued. Two days passed while we followed down leads. Saturday, June 20th, Frank and I were in position for the night surveillance. 8.30 p.m. Joe, hmm? up at the corner getting off the streetcar? No, maybe. Yeah. Description fits. I'm carrying a shopping bag. Now let's take a look. All right. Pull up here is good. All right. Excuse me, fellow. We're gonna have to go through this again. Take your pardon. You're police officers, aren't you? Yes, sir. We are. And you want to see my identification? Yes, sir. That's right. All right. 
I'll be glad when you fellas find whatever it is you're looking for. You know, this is the fifth time I've been stopped. Is that right? Yeah. Here, will you hold this shopping bag for me? Sure. Hey, what you got in here? Loaf of bread, groceries. I got my driver's license in my wallet. Here. Would you take it out of your wallet, please? Yeah, sure. There. See? Mm-hmm. Boyd Hall. That's your true name? That's what it says. 1804 Dewey Street. That's where you live? Yeah. Just came back from the store. Mm-hmm. Well, we're sorry we bothered you, Mr. Hall. Perfectly all right. I know you're only doing what we pay you for. I'll tell you what. To make up for causing any inconvenience, let us drive you home. Could we? Oh, that's not necessary. It's just a couple of blocks. I don't mind a walk. Don't like to put you fellas out. Well, don't worry about it. Get in the back seat, huh? Really, I appreciate the thought, but it's not necessary. Want to get in the back there? All right. Want to take the shopping bag in front, Frank? Yeah. Go ahead, Hall. The way you guys acted, you think it was something wrong. Nothing is, is it? No, I was just saying the way you guys... Never mind. How long you lived in this neighborhood, Hall? A little while. We just bought the house. About how long, would you say? Not long. How long? A couple of months. Mm-hmm. I think it's right at the next block, Frank. Yeah. Say, I sure appreciate this, but you guys don't have to go out of your way. Just drop me off the corner. I can walk. It's just a little ways down. No, it's no trouble at all. Here we are. Well, I sure want to thank you, officers. It's a real pleasure to know that our taxes are paying for the kind of service you've just given me. Well, it's going to get a little better. Hmm? Never mind. You want to get out of the car, we'll walk up with you. Yeah. That's okay. I'll carry the bag for you. Well, it might be better if I took it. No, no trouble. Now, which is your house, Hall? This one right here. Mm-hmm. That's 1802. Then that one's 1806. Let's walk down a little further, shall we? Mm-hmm. It's fine. Now, if we figure correctly, 1804 would be right here, wouldn't it? Don't suppose it'd do any good to say somebody stole the house. No, I don't suppose it would. Mm-hmm. You want to tell us about it? Yeah, I might as well. Now, right, let's get back in the car. What do you got in this shopping bag? Sure is heavy. Let's see. A box of breakfast cereal. And a loaf of French bread. You ought to take this bread back, Hall. Look here, somebody cut it right in half. See here, Joe? Yeah. All hollowed out. Punching a jimmy inside. Burglary tools. You want to tell us where you got them? How about it, Hall? All right, let's go, Frank. Yeah. I suppose you guys think you're pretty smart, don't you? No, not particularly. It took us eight weeks to catch you. I should have let it go. Should have gotten out while the getting was good. Yeah, you should have. How are you going to know? I figured ten weeks and then quit. Another two weeks, that's all I needed. Where's the stuff you took? Hotel room. You shoved any of it yet? No, it's all there. Every bit of it but the money. I lived on that. Figured when I got enough, I'd hit for the border. Sell it in Mexico. Let's stop on the way and pick it up, huh? All right. Place over on 6th. I'll show you. This isn't another vacant lot, is it? No, no. This is a McCoy. You know, I had it all figured. All the way down the line. Every angle. Hey, how about it? Answer a question for me. All right. Is there any way to beat it? Any way to come out on top? Well, you know the answer to that one better than we do. Hmm? You tried. What do you think? 
The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On October 15th, trial was held in Department 96, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, as you heard George tell you earlier, we've received the full year-and-one-half report. It comes from the doctor who's been examining Chesterfield smokers with special attention to the nose, throat, and sinuses. Now, the report shows again no adverse effects from smoking Chesterfields. I think that's very important to you as a smoker, and I hope you'll keep it in mind next time you buy cigarettes and get Chesterfields. Regular or king size, Chesterfields are low in nicotine, highest in quality. Best for you. Lawrence Philip Harris, alias Boyd Hall, was tried and convicted on six counts of burglary in the first degree and received sentence as prescribed by law. Burglary in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for a period of not less than five years. Dragnet wishes to thank the editors of McCall's magazine for their interesting personal story about Jack Webb, Nobody's Man Friday, in the current September issue of McCall's. You have just heard Dragnet a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Peter Leeds, Joyce McCluskey, Harry Bartell. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely new Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspaper for day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. (laughs) 